Hi, and welcome to Save Your Sorry, the podcast where we tell you about the rise and fall of your favorite or rather least favorite celebrity. I'm your host, Jose Angel. Here with me is my co-host and best friend, Katrina Rochelle. Hey. And today is a Katrina-driven episode. So, hey girl, what's the tea? What are we going to be talking about today? Oh no, not what's the tea, Lord. Well, the tea is a little cold. <laughs> <laughs> and a little old, but it's still hot because I'm bringing it to you. It's iced tea. Ah, damn. Why didn't I just say that shit? Uh-huh. Set me up again. It's like 80% Katrina gets the good jokes. And then, you know, that 20% when I'm tired, I, I you know, you can't have them. I'm allowed to have one. Just at least one good one. Uh-huh. So this week, I kind of tossed a couple of names and themes around, talked to Jose, I talked to my sister, and I had one person in mind, and then literally two days ago, something hit, and I said, okay, let me, let me, let's do something different, actually. And so today, we will be discussing a very controversial figure in the entertainment world, even though that wasn't always the case. So today we will be talking about athlete and actor O.J. Simpson. Oh my God. I've been thinking about O.J. forever. Really? Yes, because I have a book from, I'm looking at it right now on my bookshelf, Kim Goldman, Can't Forgive. Mm-hmm. And I've I've never read it, but it was like one of those things like, well, if I do, <laughs> I need to read it. I was expecting you to say like, and it was great, and it was... The- <laughs> Now, OJ is one of those that I know about, but I've never like really looked into that much. Well, we're going to be talking about a lot of things. I also will be leaving some things out. So that also gives us like room to maybe do like a more extended version, more detailed into other pockets of his life that I'm not going to dig into that much. So also spoiler alert, but he's kind of on a comeback right now, isn't he? He is on social media, which is. I just- Something I, I kind of mentioned, but basically is still known. Yes, he is on TikTok. He's on Twitter. He's 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 around. Yeah, I was just watching the H3 podcast, and they were watching a clip where OJ's on a podcast, you know, just talking, and everyone in the comments is like, love OJ. Sure, I'm, guess, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you do. <laughs> Introduce him to your mom. So, OJ Simpson being the person he is, he has had many pieces of media dedicated to the life he has lived. And that go with the crimes he's been accused of. This is just another piece of media talking about OJ, but this is different because it's us in our opinions. Let's talk about who OJ Simpson was growing up. His athletic career, his foray into acting, and the night his life would be forever changed. How he would win ultimately, but would lose, and how he comes out on the other side. Alrighty. Now, O.J. Simpson was born Orenthal James Simpson on July 9th, 1947, in San Francisco, California, to his parents Eunice Durden and Jimmy Lee Simpson. Now, I referred to Eunice as like her maiden name, but I assume that they were married at first. Okay. Now, O.J. was one of four children uh, that Eunice had to raise as a single mother when O.J.'s father left the home when he was like around four or five years old. There was no particular reason given why his father left, but there are 
rumors. I don't know if they've officially been confirmed by OJ himself, but they have been confirmed with people around OJ and who were in his life at that time that Jimmy Lee was uh, actually gay and was a prominent drag queen in the San Francisco area. So or that could be one of the reasons why him and Eunice separated and it just didn't work out. Fascinating. Yeah. I didn't know that either before researching OJ and I've known just like him being in the, the culture. I I knew a lot about him. I just didn't know that. Uh Like you just know a lot from, like you said, pop culture. Yeah. Is he still alive? His father Well, now OJ's old. So his father has to be dead. Yeah. And I was going to say his father comes back into his life later when he's like uh, late teens, but he does ultimately like die in the early 80s from AIDS. Oh, yeah. It's unfortunate. OJ himself did face a few obstacles as a young child. When he was very young, he developed rickets, which according to the Mayo Clinic, rickets is the softening and weakening of bones in children usually because of an extreme and prolonged vitamin D deficiency. Um, Also, it's uh, rare that you can also like just inherit that type of thing from like your bloodline. Wait, it's so it's something you inherit or? No, it's like, okay, you get the Rick. Rickets is the softening uh, and weakening of bones in children because of the vitamin D deficiency. But there are rare cases where it's inherited. Uh, what was his? Do you know? Uh, it doesn't say. Um, Does but vitamin D mean like your parents are just giving you enough like milk or something? They, like they I, said that could be a reason. Maybe they didn't breastfeed because um, that helps to um, just a multitude of other issues. Maybe just not getting their proper vitamins. Okay. And this is like you know he's born he's born 1947, so this is something that maybe isn't like common common, but. It's not common today because obviously we we have medicine and vitamins and things like that that cure or make sure that stuff doesn't happen in children of today. Okay. So OJ had to wear braces for years to fix the symptoms he had for his rickets, which ended up giving him like a bow-legged stance. He was also like pigeon-toed. He got made fun of in uh, school a lot for those types of things. And wearing those braces, I think up until like he was five years old, kind of helped him out. So he uh Still was okay. Also, as a teen, OJ got involved in some gang and crime activity, but somebody was kind of looking out for him. So around age 13, him and one of his childhood friends, like Al Cowlings, I think, or something like that, they end up joining a gang called Persian Warriors. And OJ gets into like a fight or something and ends up spending some time at the San Francisco Youth Guidance Center, a juvie, basically. Yeah. And then after that, he gets in trouble a couple more times. And there's like this neighborhood or a community youth leader who, you know, is familiar with OJ specifically and knows Willie Mays, who at this time is like a famous baseball player in San Francisco. And he knows how much OJ likes Willie Mays. He talks to Willie Mays and is like, hey, you mind like spending the afternoon with this kid? I know who's, he's into some trouble but he's, he can potentially be an athlete, you know, talk to him, whatever, whatever. And OJ Simpson says like the meeting or the afternoon he spent with Willie Mays kind of really changed him for the better, like changed his outlook on life. And he realized that, you know, he didn't need to be in the gang or have that type of lifestyle. He could probably have something special or at least be like very successful if he, you know, focused on stuff. Uh Uh-huh. 
Which is so surprising to go from, you know, Ricketts to an athlete. Yeah, especially what he becomes is like a successful athlete. So obviously, whatever they did worked as well as combined with his natural talent. Yeah. I wonder if he didn't have that, would he be more successful? If he never came down with the Ricketts? Yeah, like if it caused anything long term. It could be one of those give or take things like maybe he could have, but also if you don't face that adversity, what do you overcome? Oh, you, <laughs> look at you. <laughs> you know, I got, I got a gene of it for once in a while. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Simpson played football at Galileo High School in San Francisco, the Galileo Lions. He first played as a tackle, and then I guess he went to a fullback. Don't ask me what the fuck these things are. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, he attended San Francisco um, City College from 1965 to 66. Now, I think one of the reasons he did that was is that people recognized that Orenthal was talented in high school, but he was not a great student. So he didn't get that like scholarship to the four-year college type situation. He had to go and grind it out at the city college. So that's where he did that from 65 to 66. And he achieved a scholastic record that allowed him to play at USC, University of Southern California, which is a very prestigious college for students and for student athletes. Mm, Okay. And it was at USC that he ends up setting team records for yards uh, gained by rushing. He is named All-American 1967 through 1968. He plays in two Rose Bowl games. He wins the Heisman Trophy for the best player, 1968. And so he's riding high. He's doing great. He's setting records. OJ is becoming OJ. He's just getting better at his craft. He's solidifying his reputation for being a very fast, energetic guy. He was even given the nickname Juice, both for like his energy and speed in the game, as well as, you know, OJ, Orange Juice. So it was simple. Very clever. Very, very clever. In his uh, football career, OJ ends up being the number one draft choice of the American Football League, AFL. Uh, Gets drafted by the Buffalo Bills in 1969. I only know the NFL, but apparently the AFL was there. And the following year after he gets drafted in 1969, the AFL and NFL merged to become what they are today. So I don't really know the differences before of what American football was versus national football league, but it, it kind of doesn't matter now because yeah, now they're one matter. The bills were never a contending team. They were never one of those big playoff teams, but OJ was such a like energetic, important franchise player he, that he drew ticket sales. He drew the crowd and he were the, he was the reason why people came to those types of games, even though they weren't like killing it. Unfortunately, though, throughout the years, he had some injuries to his knees and the Buffalo Bills decided to trade him to the San Francisco 49ers in 1978. But he ends up just retiring after the 1979 season. So he doesn't stay playing long after the injuries and getting traded and everything and all that. It's so crazy how long ago that was like i always thought it was closer to our time for some you reason. think because all the big stuff happened when we were just being born but it's really like no he lived like a few lives he's yeah definitely someone whose name has been spoken in pop culture for decades now 
Mm-hmm. So uh, just to give you an idea of like how good he was, he retires in 1979, but his 1975 record of the most touchdowns scored in the season, which was 23, that record stood until 1983. So oh, wow. almost 10 years. And then his 1973 season Russian record for most yards gained that lasted until 1984, which is 11 years. So, you know, he, he really did have talent. His records were hard to beat and it wasn't just quick and easy to top those things. So, like I said, he retires in 1979 and ends up being inducted into the pro football hall of fame in 1985. Now, to move off of his football career and talking more about his personal life, to get into it, OJ was married to his childhood sweetheart or childhood friend, Marguerite L. Whitley, on June 24th, 1967. During this marriage, they had three children together, a daughter, Arnell, born in 1968, a son named Jason, who was born in 1970, and a daughter named Erin Simpson in 1977. Now, unfortunately, everything was not great. The family did suffer a very early tragedy with their daughter, Erin Lachone Simpson. She was only a year old and died a month before her second birthday when she unfortunately drowned in the family's swimming pool. Oh no, that is horrible. Yeah, it's really messed up. I, 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 that's another thing. It's just, I didn't know this. I didn't know about his first marriage or his other children or losing a child. So yeah. it's just like, geez. So that happened in 1977. Um, for one reason or another, OJ and Marguerite couldn't work it out. I don't know if it was the grief or it could be another reason. And they officially divorced in 1979. But thinking about the reasons they could have split, there could be another reason. And that reason could be Nicole Brown. No. Oh. Now, O.J. Simpson was 29, heading to 30 years old when he met 18-year-old Nicole Brown at her job, Daisy, which was a Beverly Hills nightclub that she worked as as a waitress. I gotta say, huge red flag. She's very young. Very young, very impressionable. Uh Uh-huh. And he meets her in 1977. Now, him and Marguerite don't get divorced till 1979. Oh, Maybe the car had been ending now. Maybe. Maybe. Now, within weeks of meeting OJ, OJ would pursue Nicole, and then they were dating each other. By the time she ends up enrolling in Saddleback College in Mission Viejo, after she graduates high school in 1977, she and OJ are in an official relationship and just a few months later, she moves in with him and drops out of school completely. Has his first wife said if they were separated or still together? Mm, no, I, I don't have a, really anything from Marguerite just because uh, besides the marriage to O.J. Simpson, she doesn't. I didn't really deal yeah, with like, her life. I just. Yeah, but just people are saying like this was an affair. People are not saying that they were separated. They are calling the Nicole Brown relationship, an overlap of the marriage. I just wonder if she knew, like how much she knew. If Nicole knew or Marguerite? Marguerite. I'm I'm sure Nicole knew, but. I'm I'm sure Marguerite knew too, just because I I got, I get the feeling that OJ was not faithful throughout 
Yeah, like you, you know about little indiscretions that you turn your eye to, but I feel like mm-hmm. a relationship's different. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. In that case, yes, you're right. Because he's now officially like tra- wanting her to travel with him. Yeah. Like, see, I, I don't feel like as a football wife, you would stand for that. That's true. So that's why maybe they, they maybe it could be once you catch wind of the Nicole thing, you separate and then you're officially divorced in 1979. Maybe. According, yeah, according to Nicole, she moves in with OJ and drops out of school because OJ, quote unquote, required that she be with him. Now, in OJ's retirement, he did become a popular sportscaster and actor. He had more than a few roles in both movies and TV. He dabbled in acting even while he was still an active athlete, notably playing a man who was framed for a murder by the police in the 1974 film The Clansman. And he Ooh. even had a small appearance on the TV miniseries Roots. No, he was in there. Yes. Have you seen Roots? <laughs> I've seen bits and pieces, but I've never seen it all the way through. I do have the book, though. I haven't read it. Uh, you have the book on everything. I do. <laughs> Usually if I read the book, I get rid of it. So. Damn. He was, you know, he also was in, he was in The Naked Gun. Simpson later appeared in The Naked Gun and its sequels. <laughs> Let me just report this for you. <laughs> but you you had it right there, though. You knew you knew where I was going. Yeah, it's because I, I love those stupid movies. You know what's crazy? I like Leslie Nielsen. Never seen the Naked Gun movies. No? No. Whatever. And I right think also, I'm not, you know what it is? I don't like cops because or Mel Gibson because I've never seen none of the Lethal Weapons. Or the diehards, except for the first one. Yeah, really? Yeah, it's just like, ugh, police. Okay. Remember, <laughs> you didn't really watch a lot of white movies, did you? No, I, t- I still think I, I was pretty eclectic throughout okay. my whole childhood. But there were certain genres I didn't dip into as a child, which was like mainly horror. Uh-huh. And I wasn't a big action person. I was like romance, drama, and comedy. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, sorry. We're talking about OJ. <laughs> <laughs> so um, OJ uh, Simpson later uh, appeared in The Naked Gun and all the sequels um, and regularly appeared in TV commercials for the Hertz rental car company. He was in a lot of the commercials where he's basically leaping over luggage and like other things, those little rope things in effort to catch a flight. You know, he, he's he's one of those rushing people. It works to his football thing, whatever, whatever. But he's really popular. Uh-huh. Um, additionally, he also worked as a commentator for Monday Night Football and the NFL on NBC brand. So just because OJ wasn't playing anymore didn't mean that he still wasn't the juice and didn't have the juice. He was still really popular. He was still getting plenty of money and plenty of gigs. Now, I mentioned earlier that O.J. Simpson was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1985. Well, that year was special for another reason, because it was early in that year, February 2nd, 1985, that Nicole and O.J. got married. Mm. They got married, and during this marriage, they have two children. They have their daughter, Sydney who was born later in the year, 1985 in October. And they have a son named Justin, who was born August 1988. Now, when Simpson was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1988, later that year, 
Nicole is still pregnant and he thanks her for her support and tells the crowd, quote, Nicole came into my life at what is probably the most difficult time for an athlete at the end of my career. You turn those years into some of the best I have had in my life, babes. Now, according to other people, other friends, other uh, family members at the time, Nicole and OJ were like all over each other all the time. They were always pictured smiling, holding each other. They would throw these big parties and get togethers for all their families and friends at their mansion. Or, you know, when they would go to a boat or they would just take these trips. Hmm. So outer looks are pretty happy family, you know, rich man, beautiful wife. What's wrong? Maybe it's because I know how the story ends, but that sounds like a red flag to me, too. I'm telling you. But despite those sweet and flowery words from OJ, their rich lifestyle that they had in the family, the actual word on the street was that the Simpsons marriage was troubled, filled with infidelity and abuse from OJ to Nicole. Nicole was crying out silently behind closed doors, but truly had no one to confide in or trust because of the, the control that OJ had on her and their social circle. So I have a quote from a family friend or a friend of Nicole's. The truth is no one really knew her during their marriage. She was never free to be herself or have friends. She wasn't available for that kind of intimacy. Um, They also note that Nicole sometimes would abruptly change or cancel plans or not show up when her OJ had to be somewhere else. The friend also added that OJ would regularly say that Nicole is in the bed with menstrual cramps, like as a way to like hide or excuse her absence from places, I mean, which that's is another red flag to me because we know what happens. Yeah, it's not really surprising just because how the relationship started with him wanting her to drop out of college and be with him. Like, you know, it's all control. Just going with someone that young to begin with and then having them give up everything for you. And I mean, what what college kid wouldn't? If I was 18 and someone's telling me, some rich, famous celebs telling me, drop out and travel with me, I'd be like, okay. And then sooner or later, you just might lose yourself. Yeah, because that's like your main job then, Mm -hmm. being his prop. And the quote was that, you know, she didn't have any more friends of her own, that her friends were his friends. Yeah. Um, Another friend adds, she was the type of person who would not say to me what her problems were. This friend says that she she often heard the couple fighting loudly in Simpson's home office and said that Nicole just wouldn't talk. Close friend Kris Jenner, formerly Kardashian, who used to be married to lawyer Robert Kardashian, said, I didn't know that there was abuse until we heard and saw the whole thing unfold like everyone else and then heard the 911 tapes that were going to be used in evidence during the trial. And this is Kris Jenner telling this story on Ellen DeGeneres in 2016. She's saying she didn't know about it until after the death? That is what Kris is saying. But we're going to talk about that a little bit. Okay. (laughs) Uh, She goes on to say to Ellen, It was heartbreaking. Me and some of her other close friends were all really surprised and shocked by that because we felt we really failed her as a friend. It was horrible. I agree. I feel bad for saying this, but I do agree. Her friends that she did have did kind of fail, and I'll say why. Specifically from Chris, I have a different quote from Chris in her book from 2012. Chris Jenner 
She recalls in her book that in 1988, on a trip to New York, Nicole confided in her about uh, her problems with OJ in her marriage. She said that OJ was cheating. He would get rough with her and fight her and that she was having a, uh, a hard time also getting along with her stepson, Jason, who was 19 at the time. Chris goes on to say, she never came out and said, I'm being abused by OJ. I so wish I would have asked her for specifics, but I didn't want to cross the line if she didn't want to talk about something, which will become one of my biggest regrets. All she told me on her walk was, I want to leave him. I do not know how. I don't know if I can stay. He's really hard to live with. Okay, I can see her saying that and not knowing it was physical. Like, if she's saying he wants to fight me, maybe she took it as fight as like an argument. He's picking a fight. It could be. I feel like, uh, and I don't want to go through because there's a lot of quotes from her friends about all the supposed alleged abuse. Not all of it's alleged because some of this is actually proven in court and photos. The consensus to me from reading and researching and watching things is that all her friends knew something was wrong. Yeah, but. And she was being very quiet and shut down and withdrawn. And it was specifically in connection to her relationship slash marriage to OJ. I can see uh, them knowing something's wrong, but maybe not knowing the full extent maybe and it's one of those things like maybe you even if you know you don't know what to do but a lot let me stop blaming people but i feel like if they were just a little bit more i don't even know what the word is but maybe maybe something could have been done maybe she would have been able to come clean sooner or something but you never know yeah i i don't know if that's the path we should be going down because then you could be like or maybe nicole should have been saying more and then it's like yeah, and I would never say that. Yeah. It's yeah, it's just from the quotes I got from the friends, my feeling is that people knew, but they just didn't know what to do. That they didn't want to rock the boat. Exactly. That's the feeling I get. So that's why I'm saying what I'm saying. I don't put any of the blame on Nicole because Nicole is only sharing what she feel like she she can with the people that she is scared to trust because she doesn't really have anybody who she who isn't connected to her husband. Just the whole, like, she wants to leave him, but she doesn't know how. I felt some people would say she's being abused, like, with that statement. But maybe mm-hmm. other people would think where she wants to leave, but she doesn't have, like, a fallback plan. Like, she doesn't have money. She doesn't have a job. She doesn't have anything. Yeah, it is the perception of how you take the words. Yeah. There's also talks about how when they got married, OJ, like, paid for some of her family members' education, you know, paid bills, put a couple people on the payroll, gave them jobs. So I think that also is influencing her situation. Maybe she could go to her family if they weren't already so entrenched in their relationship already with like having jobs and being on the the payroll. So it's kind of like maybe hard for her to go that way too. I felt that maybe she was kind of leaving breadcrumbs for people, but you can only do so much, like we said, especially when you're fucking scared. Uh-huh. Nicole had uh changed like i said she was becoming withdrawn uh private seemed anxious biting down her fingernails and she just seemed to be on edge also there is a story about denise her sister uh talking about an incident where she firsthand saw oj's rage apparently this is like sometime in the mid 80s she doesn't give her a year 
But she says like they're all her and the family are at the house with uh, OJ and Nicole. And she's telling OJ that he's taking Nicole for granted. And OJ flies into a rage. Denise is quoted as saying he ran upstairs, got clothes, started flying down the stairs, grabbed Nicole, told her to get out of his house, wanted all of us out of his house, um, picked her up, threw her against a wall, then picked her up throughout the house. Uh, says she ended up falling. She ended up on her elbows and on her butt. We were all sitting there screaming and crying. And then he grabbed me and threw me out the house. Um, Damn, and Nicole's not even on who said it. Yeah. That is crazy. That also makes me think, like, if he's that quick to anger, how is that, like, the first and only time that someone saw something? Yeah, and most of the time, it's not. It's just people are just not saying anything. Yeah. So according to family and friends, the normal routine when something like that would happen is Nicole would go home to her parents' house after a big blow up. But eventually OJ would calm down and he would call and he would uh, get all emotional and apologize for everything that he did. Sometimes that comes with gifts and eventually Nicole would go back. Normal cycle of domestic abuse. Exactly. On January 1st, 1989, at 3.58 a.m., Nicole Brown ends up calling 911. The operator can't hear anything but screams. And, and apparently somebody, like the sound of somebody getting hit. Ooh. And um, they send out police officers. When the officers arrive at the Rockingham estate, Nicole is wearing like sweatpants and just a bra. And she comes from the yard yelling, he's going to kill me. And when they say who, she says, OJ. OJ Simpson, the football player. Oh, no. Now, according to the police report, from that early morning, she has a black eye, a cut lip, a bruised forehead, and there's a handprint on her neck. She tells the officers, you guys never do anything. You never do anything. You come out. You've been here eight times, and you never do anything to him. Eight times? That's what she's quoted as saying. I wonder if all those times are documented or like she's saying they're not doing anything. If it's just like it's OJ Simpson when, you know, we're just trying to sweep this under the rug. I'm going to tell you this right now. If the police are not taking any paperwork from the incident, if they're not arresting anybody, most likely it's maybe being documented to the police themselves that this is an address they've been to a few times, but it's not being it's not being fully documented that they've been there eight times. If he's not being charged, if a police report's not happening each time, no. I know some states, like, doesn't the woman have to say she wants to press charges? That 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 is for some places. I don't, it's not universal though. Sometimes it's taken out of your hand. If evidence is proving that, no, if somebody was violent, it, you, it doesn't matter if you want to press charges or not, we got to take them. Yeah. And then sometimes, yes, you have to say, no, they hit me. I don't want them here. I want them arrested and gone. Where did they take him this time? I mean, that is like, there's no deniability. Like, she's out there wounded. So, apparently, the police tell OJ that they got to, uh, that he does have to go with them to the police station. Even though OJ is saying that I didn't hit my wife. I just pushed her out of bed. We've been drinking. We just had a fight. There's nothing like that. And OJ instead drives off and is Bentley away from the residence. He does not get arrested. What? Even saying I just pushed out of bed, isn't that domestic violence right there? Like you're shoving someone? Yes and no. And um, she hasn't, and 
she has a fucking handprint on her neck. And like I said, I don't, I don't know. Now, Nicole goes to the cops the next day. She goes to the police station and she tells them she doesn't really want to press charges. But because she signed the police report that they did, the police are obligated to give it to the L.A. City Attorney's Office. And they choose to file domestic violence charges against O.J. And this is like right when he's like in like one of the Naked Gun movies and he's a sport sportscaster. So this does end up like, you know, putting a little tarnish on his shine right now. I think he now I think most people see through it just because we know everything. But he does have a likability towards him. And he has like comedic timing in those movies. Mm-hmm. And he seems charming. Yeah. Now, OJ ends up pleading no contest to misdemeanor spousal battery, and he ends up being sentenced to 120 hours of community service, two years of probation, and twice a week counseling, as well to pay $500 in restitution to a battered women's shelter. I mean, that seems fair. It could be worse, but also it could be loads and loads better. It could be an actual more punishing sentence, but whatever. whatever. Yeah, it doesn't sound like Nicole wants to. Popped that much with it, yeah, so, Yes, double-edged sword. Uh-huh. So um, when pressed about this incident in an interview, OJ is quoted as saying, we had a fight. We were both guilty. No one was hurt. It was no big deal. And we got on with our lives. It wasn't that big of a deal. You know, that's what a lot of people, when they defend abusers, say is it was a mutual fight. Mm-hmm. Because you don't want to, you want to, oh, let me take accountability, but I don't want to take full accountability. I, I wouldn't just put my hands on. If I say that she was putting her hands on me, it makes me look better. Like maybe I could just be defending myself. Yeah. Is he, is he supposed to just stand there and take it? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, Nicole ends up filing for divorce in 1990, or Good at least her. they separate, but they do not get officially divorced until 1992. Oh. Kind of a long divorce, but I guess that's expected. Mm-hmm. Now, this is Nicole speaking. This is what she's writing on the divorce papers and all this, uh, like, as far as, like, uh, child custody, spousal support, and all this other stuff. So she says, I only attended junior college for a very short time because OJ wanted me to be available to travel with him whenever his career required him to go to a new location even if it was for a short period of time. Oh, this is an affidavit for her spousal and child support. That's what it was. That's what she Okay. Was. Now she goes on to say, I have no other uh, college education and I hold no degrees. I am not currently employed and I spend my time caring for my two young children. Uh, she also meets with a career counselor uh, and is asked her goals and stuff for, you know, the next for the future, basically. And she just says, my only goal is to raise my kids. Well, beyond that, I haven't thought about me. I'm sure I will get a goal someday. That's so sad. I know. It's like she endures all this and all she wants. I just want to raise my kids and be free. And I don't want to raise my kids in that like that type of area. And in my mind, she did have a career. Like, most people won't say it is. But, like, she was Mrs. O.J. Simpson, which is in the career in itself. Like, you know, she played her part, but you don't really get paid for that. Yep. You got to withstand the scrutiny of the outside world as well as be a doting wife and mother uh, behind closed doors. Uh Uh-huh. 
it's, it's a fucking lot. Now, they end up settling their divorce in October 1992, with OJ agreeing to pay Nicole a lump sum of $433,750. Plus, did I say that right? Because Wait, I'm, you said how many? <laughs> Can we say that first again? $433,750. Is that it? Like Plus $10,000 a month in child support. Okay. I was going to say, I've, I've re-listened to some episodes <laughs> and I get to the numbers and it's whatever the dy- dyslexia of numbers is. I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be fucking it up. And I'd be like, oh, Katrina, Ten- that was not the right number. <laughs> Did you say 10000 a month for? Child support. That's good. And back in this time, that's a lot. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like RJ must have been bringing home a lot of money. Yeah. Also, OJ saved some money because I know he was bringing in. He could have got held for a lot more. This is a settlement. So they they at least came to terms on this. Now, Nicole also retains the deed on a rental property in San Francisco as well. Now, reports from friends, uh, Nicole's friends at this time say that, you know, she did start over. She started to go out and have fun. She took trips. She even started therapy. But one day she ends up calling up her friend and she says, I want my husband back. Oh, no. And then she calls OJ. She calls OJ. OJ rebuffs her, says, I'm I don't need you. I don't want you. I'm okay right now. But that didn't last for long. He has a change of heart and they get back together. Oh, no. You know, what's so crazy. Once again, I know we keep saying it. We know what happens. But it's one of those things where when I read that they got divorced in 1992, I was like, oh, well, yeah, this is great. What the fuck happened in between time? And this is one of those things because you you forget. Like we said, it's a cycle of abuse. Sometimes the first time is not you. you, Some people can't leave and be done the first time. And she was with him since she was 18, a child. She's a woman now. Like, that's what she knows. She knows being OJ's wife. Like, mm-hmm. And, you know, stuff, you, you're you alone. So you're like, you're happy for a minute. You're like, okay, I, I know what I'm doing. But she got these two babies. They're not babies, but they're two young kids. And, and maybe she's thinking... Okay, maybe he's starting to change or I'm seeing something different or I'm feeling different or maybe I should have been, you know, all types of questions be coming through your mind. I shouldn't have ate him on. It wasn't that often. I know how he did. Your mind plays tricks on you. Yeah. Yeah. And and unfortunately, if the longer you stay away, it, it takes a while, but you'll be less affected. But unfortunately, like we said, she... She's been with them since she was a young girl. They get back together, but it wouldn't take long for OJ's abuse to start again. On October 25th, 1993, Nicole calls 911. She tells the dispatcher with a shaky voice, could you get someone over here now to 325 Gretna Green? He's back, please. Um, The dispatcher asks, what does this person look like? Nicole says, he's O.J. Simpson. I think you know his record. Could you just send somebody over here? He's fucking going nuts. The dispatcher says, stay on the line. Nicole says, I don't want to stay on the line. He's going to beat the shit out of me. Oh, and she said, I'm sorry. She said he's back. Yes. 
What does that mean? Um, I don't know, but... Maybe he left and came back? I don't know. That's just weird to say that. Yeah. OJ can be heard in the background vaguely. Um, but at one point, the voices do come in clearly for a second. When ba- basically Nicole is being heard saying, uh, the kids are sleeping to OJ. And OJ replies, you didn't give a shit about the kids when you was sucking his dick in the living room. They were <sighs> here. Didn't care about the kids then. Now... Nicole tells the dispatcher that OJ is referring to an incident that happened a long time ago, that apparently OJ had seen her through her front window having a sexual encounter with a boyfriend in 1992. When they were divorced? When they were divorced. And that tracks because there was a couple who were next door neighbors to uh, Nicole on Gretna Green who testified in the trial that they would sometimes see OJ standing outside her house, looking at it from the sidewalk. Damn. Punch your damn blinds, girl. You know, some people are like really open with their blinds. Yeah. But if you're giving someone head in the living room, like you need to close those blinds. Oh, maybe it was spontaneous. You didn't know. Maybe. (laughs) Didn't know she was going to do that. And she wanted to breathe. It was hot. I know you're, you're looking out the window. What's OJ doing out there? (laughs) That's not funny. It's not funny, but it's like definitely you should close your windows, though. Yeah, I mean your 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 curtains and blinds. Now, even though often he did it, I would think any time he suspected that she was with somebody he didn't want. I wonder if she knew. I would think she had to because if he's fighting with her about this, I don't think it's the first time he brought it up, or at least he let on signs that he knew about this because she's like. This happened a long time ago to the dispatcher. She's explaining herself to the damn dispatcher. If she knew while she was doing it. Oh, some spike type thing? Who yeah, knows? like jealousy knows? or well, he he was he was cheating on her all types of ways. Yeah. Go ahead and get you some divorce get back, I guess. I'm not saying anything about it. I'm just like wondering. It's not right. Her. Or if it's okay. I was going to okay, go Whitney. Whitney. Jo- oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just stop. What is my problem? The two of you went to dinner. <laughs> or what is it? Yes. Then two of you really are this four of you really cheap. Uh-huh. Lord. Um, but even though this incident happens, Nicole ends up staying with OJ for a little longer. She was with him on the sidelines when he reported on the Dolphins Cowboy game on Thanksgiving in 1993. They end up spending Christmas together that year. And like I said, there's like this back and forth of a soft reconciliation for a few more months. But it ends in the end of May, beginning of June of 1994. Nicole is officially done. She wants out and she wants away from OJ. So Nicole was still using the residence she used to live with uh, OJ, the Rockingham uh, address as her permanent address on her tax forms and the house she ends up buying and staying at with her children. Uh, she lists that as a rental property on her tax forms. Now, since OJ and Nicole are officially done, uh, Nicole's decided she doesn't want anything to do with OJ. OJ is like, oh, so you're done with me. I want you to stop using anything that's basically associated with me or is mine. So. Around Memorial Day, OJ calls her and basically says, stop using my address 
or I'm gonna report you to the IRS. And then this comes from Jeffrey Tubin's book, The Run of His Life. Uh, this is apparently a diary entry of Nicole Simpson's and she quotes OJ. You hang up on me last night, you're gonna pay for this bitch. You're holding money from the IRS, you're going to jail, you effing C word. You think you can do any fucking thing you want, you got it coming. I already talked to my lawyers about this bitch. They'll get you for tax evasion. Bitch, I'll see to it. You're not going to have a dime left, bitch. And it keeps going. Wow. So he's officially broken. That's just another way to control her, too. Yeah, he's he's officially he's broken like, oh, so this is how you're going to do. Now I'm going to sit there and and treat you any way I want to, because now I see that you were already divorced. So I can't keep you on my reins like that. So I'm going to I'm going to dabble into your money, your your money and your property. Uh huh. Now, June 6, O.J. Sims are, sends her a formal letter telling her to stop using the Rockingham address. She shows this to C.C. Shahan on June 7th. Uh, I think that's a friend or a lawyer. Uh, either way, that seven, that same day on June 7th, Nicole calls a Santa Monica women's shelter for victims of domestic abuse and says that she's being stalked by her ex-husband. And then two days after, on June 9th, she has a friend named Jean who helps her put her condo up for lease so that she can lease it out and use that money to get her and her kids at another place. Now, Jean, Jean McKenna, the real estate agent, she says uh, regarding Nicole looking for this new place, she knew the kids really liked Bundy and wouldn't want them to move. So she wanted to do something special for them to give them something they want, especially a pool. And by the end of the day, we find a place for her in Malibu, a one-story contemporary with a pool and a view of the ocean for $5,000 a month. I remember walking up the hill with her. We were smoking. Nobody smokes in Brentwood, so we used to sneak it together. She was saying like she couldn't really believe it. I can really do this. I can lease the house and move. I can really do this. Now, we're thinking... OJ is preoccupied. He should be. He's apparently dating this model named Paula Burberry or Burberry. Mm-hmm. Um, they're even seen together June 11th at a black tie event. So we're thinking OJ's distracted. He He's not messing with Nicole. She's moving on. On June uh, 12th, 1994, on a Sunday, Nicole gets up. She makes the kids breakfast. She goes shopping, her and her family, I think her mom, dad, and sister, some other family members go to her daughter's dance recital. And then they go to this dinner uh, at this restaurant called Mezzaluna. It's an Italian restaurant in Brentwood. OJ was at the recital, but he was not invited to go to the dinner. Tensions were high. The family didn't want him there. OJ kind of saw that he wasn't welcomed. So they split their ways at the recital. Now, OJ himself is quoted as saying in an interview later that he didn't want to go. To be honest, I was tired. At this particular time, I was avoiding Nicole. I thought she owed me an apology, and I just didn't want to go. I thought I'd see Paula. I was tired, and I just didn't want to sit up there and go through this whole situation with his former in-laws. Those are the two separate stories regarding the dinner. Now. The Browns end up leaving Mezzaluna at 8.30 p.m. At the dinner, 
Denise recalls some of the conversation about the family talking about, uh, we're going to take a lot of trips and we're going to be doing a lot of stuff together. And it was probably the best talk that they had had in a long time. And the last word she said to her sister was, I love you, Nick. That's sad. Very sad. I feel like I just got goosebumps. I could not believe the last thing I would say to, I, I can't believe saying last words to any of my sisters. Yeah. Break my heart. Shortly after 9 p.m., OJ calls Nicole. Then this friend named Faye, who had a drug problem. She was uh, really good friends with Nicole, but she, she had some issues. So Faye's in rehab at this time. So after OJ calls Nicole, Faye is calling from rehab to talk to Nicole. And Faye writes a book and recalls later that Nicole said during their 15-minute call that she would always support her and said that, I just want all of us to have a healthy and happy life. Now, it's around 9.40 p.m. Nicole's mother calls her to say that I left my glasses at the restaurant. Uh, Nicole calls the restaurant, Mezzaluna, asks her friend Ron Goldman, who's a waiter there, if he could just drop him off at her house after he leaves. He ends up leaving the restaurant at 9.50 p.m., telling a co-worker, hey, I'm about to return these glasses to my friend Nicole. And then he's supposed to be meeting some friends later, like at a spot. Now, Nicole has like this uh, dog. I think it's called a Akita. I think you're more knowledgeable about dogs, if if, if I'm right about that. <laughs> that sounds familiar. And it's, it's like a big dog. white dog. But yeah. They, yeah. I know they, what you're talking about. They're like white and brown or... Sometimes they're like golden, I guess. I looked them up. They're beautiful, though. Uh huh. So, um, apparently, it's past ten, and different neighbors in the neighborhood, or it was at least a couple different neighbors here, like past ten, they're hearing a dog bark, but they're ignoring it. They just, but they're noting that it's past ten o'clock. We're hearing this dog bark. Something might be wrong, but we're not going to clock it. Yeah, because if you hear a dog bark and you just think it's annoying, mm-hmm. you don't you don't think anything of it. And then there's this other neighbor. I don't know if his name is Steven Schwab, but I know his last name is Schwab. So I'm just going to refer to him as Schwab because I don't know why I didn't write down his first name. It's so crazy. These names that pop up, like, you know, I've never looked into this, but like, I just know them because it's this story so known. Yeah, it's a popular one. Uh-huh. And... Not to make light of it, but like it seems like every damn person that interacted with Nicole or OJ has written a book about it. That's why I haven't covered it because it's like there's so many books on it. I didn't want to say anything. Which ones do I read? Yeah, I've cut out so many people and so many different things, and everybody's wrote a book. Like you said, everybody wrote a book. Everybody. Yeah, like I think so far your pacing's really good because. I don't even know how, you know, you can have a whole podcast just on the OJ case. You really actually could, especially with how long it lasted. Mm-hmm. Now, this, uh, the dog ends up following uh, the neighbor Schwab home. He and his wife, uh, they notice that the dog, like, has, like, some red on, like, his stomach and his paws, which oh, we no. later to find out is blood. But him and his wife give the dog some water outside their house. And they're just wondering, what what do we do? Now, it's another neighbor, Sucru, Sucru Boat, but I don't know how to say this name. Baz Tepe. I'm terrible Mm. at pronunciation. Sucru Baz Tepe returned to the complex around 1140 p.m. And basically is like, well, I'll keep the dog overnight. 
Uh, the dog's name is Cato, but the dog was apparently just restless. It just wouldn't stop. It wouldn't calm down. It was it couldn't stop walking. So Boz Tepe and his wife, Bettina, they go out on another walk with the dog. Uh, the dog ends up leading them to the front of 874. That fucking breaks my heart. That dog was trying to alert people. Yeah, the whole time. Oh, no. The dog leads them back to the front of 875 Bundy just after midnight. And that's when Boz Tepe looked past the front gate and saw a woman lying in a pool of blood. Oh, no. Now, even more unfortunate, Sydney and Justin were uh, asleep upstairs while Nicole and Ron Goldman are outside murdered. Nicole's head is almost severed from her body because her throat was cut so deep and ron apparently has at least 22 stab wounds so was nicole home and then ron came over to drop off the glasses that is what's being reported yes so when a detective uh calls nicole's parents on the morning of june 13th 1994 to tell them that their daughter was dead apparently denise also hears uh and her reaction is he killed her he finally killed her no one heard screaming i think one of the sisters did hear their mother screaming and then the mother tells her that yes and then she's like oh he killed her he finally killed her no, I mean, like, none of the neighbors heard screaming. Like, Oh, for Nicole and Ron. Yeah. No, and as far as what I read, I didn't read anything about anybody hearing screaming. What I heard is that the neighbors were alerted about the dog barking, and people ignored it, and, and, uh, except for those two sets of neighbors that found the dog. And, and they were both killed with a knife? Yes. That's so bizarre to me. Like, you... Like, maybe one of them you could sneak up and kill them, but that's, wow. Yeah. Now, um, Sydney and Justin, who are eight and five, are ushered out the house uh, through the back door by police, and they have no idea what happened. Nicole has her funeral on June 16th, and OJ, of course, was there with his children. To pay his respects. Now. Do they. At this time. Her family thinks it's him though. Right. I don't know what the family thinks. But he was a suspect. And he was supposed to turn himself in. After the funeral. Oh. But that does not happen. As we know. So. The thing is. Is. I think the family were. Of course. Thinking it was OJ. But I, I don't know if they went into full blame. Because apparently. The mom at the funeral did ask OJ straight up, did you have something to do with my daughter's death? And OJ says no. Now, the family says that they didn't really believe them, but they're not like, it's a funeral. So they're not going full out accusatory on the man. It's so fucking horrific as well, though, that you could not even imagine like someone could do that. Like someone that you've known for a while, like there's no way they could do that, you know? Yeah, it was, it's like one of those things, like it breaks your brain if you don't uh-huh. already view them as that thing. Like That's unimaginable. Like, exactly. And that's why so many people are like, oh, but they were such a great guy to me or so blah, blah. But you got to like widen your understanding, widen your scope. The fact that just because somebody was good to you doesn't mean that they couldn't be terrible, downright horrific to other people. 
But especially, I don't know how OJ's demeanor was at the funeral. Was he like acting sad? They, they do say that his um, he did seem remorseful and sad at the funeral. I heard that it was more suspicious of he was more suspicious acting when they told him that Nicole was dead. That he reportedly asked, not what like his main question was, who killed her? Oh, like off the bat, he yeah. Like, how 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 did this happen? It was straight yeah. to who killed her. Yeah, yeah he and it's like what the what the fuck type of questions that and that he he apparently broke like a glass and it oh. it made a cut on his hand. But there's theories that that was already there and maybe the the glass breaking was more of a performance but that's, Do, that's a theory like, i wonder if it was like a performance to like show his anger or mm-hmm. upsetness or if it was a performance to be like oh i just did this i just cut myself you saw it exactly yeah. Now, the next day, OJ was supposed to turn himself into police, but instead he takes off in his white Ford Bronco with his childhood friend, Al Cowlings, who I mentioned very, very much earlier, uh, behind the wheel. And OJ is in the back, apparently holding a gun, saying, uh, and apparently it's a gun to his own head. I never read that part, but I didn't know that. He was holding a gun. I to didn't know there was someone else in the car. Yeah, apparently. And he wants to uh, see his mother. There was, you know, how many people saw this car chase, Jose? I felt wasn't it like national news? Like everyone was watching it. Yes, ninety-five million. And is this when CNN was like created? Is am I thinking right? Could be. I don't know. <laughs> I, I remember one of like not created, but like you know the twenty four hour news cycle. I was like to say created, he created the CNN no, like, the car chase. Uh, this is I don't even know if it's accurate, so I'm not even gonna look it up. But let us know if I'm right. I know there's a big case that like made the twenty four hour news cycle like a thing, and I I want to say it was OJ. I feel like if any case would have it. Especially back in the day, it probably would have been OJ, honestly. Yeah, if it wasn't like this, the Bronco, it was like the trial or something. I I, I want to say I'm almost 30% confident. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wonder how fucking Bronco sales plummeted after that, probably. Like, I wonder. That's a shame because you know what's so funny? The Bronco, like the new Broncos that are out, I hate that they have a, a, a weird reputation because i was like oh that's kind of oh like they're nice that. yeah i dropped my job has them they're real nice i still might get one she now um the the car chase goes on for a while but eventually he is caught or he surrenders at his um house so the car chase does go on for hours it's so funny because they they deem it like the the fast pace no the um what is what is that what were they calling it they're basically saying that it was exhilarating, but it was a slow-paced car chase at the same time. Yeah, because you're like, where the fuck he's going, but he's not like going. He's not like zooming. Per hour. Yeah, where he wasn't driving with the other guy, right? So, yeah, and so uh, eventually he uh, is stopped, or he pulls up to his house, and then he, he surrenders to the police, and he's taken in. It's five days later where OJ is officially charged with both of the murders. And when he's asked for his plea, he says, absolutely, positively, 100% not guilty. Oh, my God, OJ. Now, this is 
where we would get into the trial. But as you see, we have been talking for a while. And like I said, this is one of many media outlets that's covered this. And there have been specifically a lot of videos, podcasts, documentaries, and even shows dedicated purely to the trial. So I feel like uh-huh. it would be a little bit too redundant to just go over the trial. But just a couple of facts that everybody knows, or maybe you don't, about the trial is that Simpson, he assembled the legal dream team of lawyers that apparently costed him $50,000 a day. These lawyers were Johnny Cochran, Robert Kardashian, Robert Shapiro, Barry Sheck, Alan Dershowitz, and F. Lee Bailey. Um, Isn't my girl in there as well? Okay. You're thinking the prosecution. Oh, okay. The prosecution, that was uh, Chris Darden, 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 and um, Marsha Clark. There's probably more people, but those are the two ones that everybody talks about. So I didn't write them people down, but you know, Marsha Clark, Chris, everybody knows about them. They were reported to be having an affair. Uh, the judge was sexist, hated Marsha, <laughs> all types of shit. No, but, Sean Hawley, she was with OJ, wasn't she? She wasn't listed in the dream team. Tell me more. The Calvin firm and was a member of the OJ Simpson legal defense team, doubt the dream team. Come on then, Sean Holly. Yeah, I, I know Sean. That's funny because in all the ones I looked up, she was never named as uh, part of the dream I mean, she team. was a baby then. Maybe she was lawyer. like, um, you know how they have the lawyers and then they have the associates uh-huh. that are still lawyers. Maybe she was just an associate. So she doesn't get top billing. But yeah. she's like, nah, bitch, I was there. She was there. I like that. Okay, I didn't know that. Sean, Ho- Sean Holly was uh, a part of the dream team. Uh, I've been thinking of making playlists for our episodes. And just like one of the playlists would be every time Sean Holly appears. <laughs> <laughs> she has at least four or five episodes under her belt. Uh-huh. Now, uh, the criminal trial was dubbed the trial of the century because this was like the biggest trial that anybody had heard of this was a famous athlete who was very uh revered and this was a these were two gruesome murders and this trial started january 24 1995 and didn't end until october 3rd 1995 hold on january to october like 10 months? Yeah, I was about to say 9, but I'm okay. glad you said 10 if that's right. <laughs> um, that's crazy. We were like one or two. I'm saying. I can't. And it's just like a trial that long. What are you have doing? You, Where are you at? And the jury was sequestered. Oh have my you God. ever asked like your mom, um, what did she think when the verdict came out? Just because, you know, they were, there's always that thing of... Black versus white on the trial verdict. You know what's so crazy? No, I don't know what she thought at that time, but I know my mama knows that that man's guilty. <laughs> <laughs> like now? Yeah. I think, so, I think a lot of people's opinion has shifted, but I just want to know, like, at the time. To be fair, when my mother had me, she was 16, so maybe she wouldn't uh, have had the best opinion. <laughs> <laughs> you should ask her. <laughs> I, I am going to ask her. I'm going to say if she always felt the same. I'll have that answer for you guys next week. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, um, but unfortunately, uh, like I said, the 
the trial ends October 3rd, 1995. Simpson is acquitted of murder. So. If the glove does not fit, you must acquit. Which, let's just take it. I know we said we're going to talk about the trial. Let's talk about that real quick. Y'all are telling me that that glove didn't fit? Because he had to do a little shake shimmy on the hands. It didn't fit? That pisses me off because I love rhymes. I remember... um I think it was high school in a law class or something. We had to like learn about that damn glove and how it was like a leather glove. And what they didn't take in consideration was it was like left out in the cold or in yes. the rain or something and the glove yes. shrinks. And yeah, it was like, damn, like justice is never right. It's crazy. But anyway, the only sl- sliver of good news that ends up happening is that in 1997, a jury does unanimously find O.J. Simpson liable for both deaths of Ron Goldman and Nicole Brown, and they award the Brown and Goldman families $33.5 million in damages. Ooh. Now, Each or jointly? Uh, I think all together. I think okay. it's for them to split all together. Now, that particular trial was held in Santa Monica. That trial would only take three months, and it produces a very different result from the criminal trial. Simpson was forced to uh, testify, clumsily trying to explain stuff that apparently just could not be explained. And basically, they said that using the preponderance of the evidence, which is more of civil court is behind, (laughs) behind, beyond a reasonable doubt. With uh, civil court is the preponderance of the evidence. Basically, does the evidence believe you to, to say that this is true or not? <laughs> Whereas okay, so you can be hundred percent sure in a criminal court, so they say. Yeah. Okay. Now, OJ. I think Simpson, you said civil twice, but okay. I did. Uh-huh. I, I said criminal. Oh shit! Y'all, know, I've been talking for two hours. Y'all know the difference between <laughs> criminal and civil. Yeah, on, y'all. Help, help me out, <laughs> listeners. Don't be like Jose. Y'all know what I meant. Now, O.J. Simpson was found guilty in civil court for the wrongful death of Ron Goldman and Nicole Brown. That 33 was like uh, 8.5 million and uh, punitive damages of 25 million. But unfortunately, right after like this judgment in 2000, uh, O.J. moves to Miami, Florida. And apparently Florida is one of those uh, states where like your homes, any pension and stuff like that, they can't be seized to pay like your civil debts. So he was and is still trying to avoid paying that debt to those families. Still to this day? To this day. Damn. Now let's get into some what the fuckness. Now in 2006, Apparently, O.J. decides to write a book called If I Did It. Mm. Now, the publishers of this book, I think it was HarperCollins at the time, they tell the Associated Press, quote, unquote, uh, quote, this is an, a historic case. I consider this his confession. Yeah. And apparently Simpson talks about confronting Nicole and Ron, having a knife. Then he says something went horribly wrong. I know what happened, but I can't tell you exactly how. The whole front of me is covered in blood, but it didn't compute. And 
he also says that during this uh, murder, he's accompanied by a friend named Charlie, which in this Charlie friend uh, is shocked by uh, the murder saying, Jesus Christ, OJ, Jesus Christ, and buries his face in his hands. I thought this was interesting and slightly crazy because do you know something? What? His son was considered a suspect for a minute. His son, Jason. I've I've seen conspiracy theories, but I've never like seen how accurate they are that people say his son might have done it. And I I don't know because also there's this situation with this him having to with him being gone. Apparently, he had like a flight to catch that that night, and he had car service. His car service was at his house on time and was waiting for OJ and OJ wasn't answering and OJ wasn't there. And then when finally, like almost an hour later, OJ is like, oh, I'm in the shower. I'm about to, uh, I'm, I'm almost done. I'm about to get ready. It's like, hmm, what the fuck were you doing? Mm-hmm. You have all this stuff planned as an alibi, but where were you for real? And then with this whole, you reimagining this crime with a, a accomplice, it's weird. It's like you're trying to tell us something without telling us something. Now the yeah, um, I that doesn't mean the topless would have been the son though, right? Oh I mean, no, it could no, be no. Anybody. That that's just me throwing in a little razzle dazzle. Yeah, I've heard like uh like a bunch of theories on that. Like the whole car chase was so his son to get off town or something. Which I again I don't know if the facts land on that. Mm-hmm. I don't know either, but yeah, we know who does. Maybe we'll do a bonus episode one day of different theories. Different theories in all 37 books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, the announcement of the book, if I did, it was met with a lot of people saying, what the fuck is going on? But specifically, the Goldman family. They go on uh, Larry King Live on CNN, and they uh, say... He's telling us one more time, I'm going to get away with killing your family members and I'm not going to honor the judgment. And look at me. Ha ha ha. Because of all the people criticizing and condemning this book, especially the victims families, Harper Collins decides to shelve the book, recall it because OJ has not paid his debt, has not dipped into the judgment at all. A court, a bankruptcy court ends up seizing the book as an asset to pay off the civil damages. And the book ends up getting retitled and sold as, if I did it, Confessions of the Killer. And you know how, have you ever seen the book title say, Always Hide the If? No. It's like, like either in the I or it's like real small, like they always hide the if. So it just looks like I did it. I like that. Uh Uh-huh. Now, you would think he's dodging his judgment and he's writing books, but OJ's still not in the clear yet. And he's still got some some wild in him. Now, it's ending up in October of 2008. This man just don't want his freedom because OJ ends up getting convicted of 12 counts of armed robbery and kidnapping, along with a friend slash acquaintance, Clarence C.J. Stewart. The two men were found guilty of robbing two sports memorabilia dealers at gunpoint in a Las Vegas hotel room in 2007. Now, 
Simpson, who gets taken into custody as soon as they catch his ass, he's telling pe- people, I, I, I didn't rob nobody. I'm just taking back what's mine. I'm reclaiming my stuff. Hmm. But are you? Oh, because it's sports memorabilia. So it, it might have been like his sports memorabilia. Exactly. But he doesn't have the rights to it or something. Exactly. Now, oh, but you don't rob him. It, you know, but you could sue them or something. I wish I could tell how route. confused this whole dumbass case gets me because it's confusing for a lot of things. And that's why I think this was a, a justice conviction. Let's let's go into it real quick. In December 2008, Simpson and Stewart were, sent, were sentenced up to 33 years in prison with the possibility of parole after nine years. What ends up happening is apparently in 2007, Simpson and Stewart and a, a few other guys, actually, this is like Simpson came up to that hotel room with, I think, about four or five people with some guns, not like machine guns, heavy artillery, but they, they had guns on them. And OJ is claiming that he was just trying to recover memorabilia that was actually his. It was stolen. But according to the evidence that was put out, the way the prosecution did the case, the jury didn't think they didn't find it their way. So they convict him and he ends up serving his term at the Lovelock Correctional Center near Reno, Nevada. This is where I think is, is a little confusing. First of all, I think he ends up years and years later gets all this memorabilia back. What? Like. But legally, or does he buy it? I think or? legally, like a, he he goes to court and gets it back. But also, I think whether he was right or wrong, I think people have been pissed about that 1994 trial for a while, and they saw a case of this man forcibly confining people to a room. He had guns. He had people with him. He was intimidating. They was going to convict his ass no matter what. Yeah. They wanted to get the justice. families should get that, though. Yes. Like any any penny he makes, I feel like the family should get. I agree. I, I can't believe the courts aren't moving forward or they're not finding any loopholes to, like, really get this man with his money. But he's able to protect his money in such a way with his pensions and where he moves and whatever that is just, like... Just not fair. Sentence up to thirty three years in uh, to prison, possibility of parole after nine years. He ends up getting granted parole in two thousand seventeen, and then in two thousand and twenty one, they uh, take all restrictions off his movement and behavior. So basically, he's like free to go anywhere now. Like it's not even like he's uh, tied down to that city or anything. What were we gonna say? I'm sorry. How long did he end up serving? Did he end up serving the nine? Yeah, he served nine years. That's crazy. And got parole immediately. On July 20th, 2017, OJ Simpson is 70 years old, and he's doing his video conference for the parole board to be set free, basically. And they're talking about the crime, and he's making his case and all this. And regarding the robbery, he says that basically it was not viewed the way that it was. He's telling people that I was not kidnapping and threatening just these random guys. I was talking to two people who I knew and who stole property from me. It wasn't given to them. 
he's also saying that you said I brought a whole bunch of men with guns to threaten these people. These were security guards that I hired and that we didn't threaten anybody with a gun. They just they just have those things. He says, quote, I basically lived a conflict free life. I was never a guy who got into fights on the street. I'm not a guy who lived a criminal life. I'm a pretty straight shooter. Wow. I tell you, talk about putting some sauce on it. Yeah. I, also, I, it's, I, also, it's like an actual historic lie. Like back, yeah. in the, back in the day, you had problems as a youth and you're a known woman batterer. So it's like, what are you talking about right now? Do you know if the guns were drawn? Like when he went there, there's disputing stories. Uh, the victims at the time say, yes, we were threatened and guns were brandished at, at, at us. OJ and his people are saying, no, we never, we never pulled a gun out at all. There is one guy who said that he took his gun out for a second, but then he realized this looked like a robbery. So he put it down. But the fact is, is that they came in with guns and uh-huh. they left out with all the memorabilia. Yeah, it was a robbery. <laughs> but can you rob something that's yours? The thing is, is that if the ownership shows that it belongs yeah. to those guys, even if they did steal whatever nefarious tactics they could have done, it still shows that they were stolen from. Yeah. Not OJ. I guess, yeah, that makes sense. Like, we can't go into museums and rob the stuff they are robbed. Even though we fucking should be. <laughs> but like I said, that's another subject. Uh-huh. Speaking to the parole board about uh, how he spent his jail time, he does mention that he started a religious group, a Baptist religious uh, group in prison, and that he's done his time. I've done it well and as respectfully as anybody can. I've not complained for nine years. All I've done... All I've done is try to be helpful. He says if he's released, he'd be spending more time with his family. He says, I've missed a lot of time, like 36 birthdays with my children. And his oldest daughter, Arnell, ends up uh, testifying uh, on his behalf for the parole board, like as family support, saying that uh, my experience with him is that he's like my best friend and my rock. I know that he's remorseful. He is truly remorseful. Even one of the victims, Bruce For- Formong, testified on Simpson's behalf. He says it's time to give him a second chance. He made a mistake. What? Well, and I he, guess- wait, hold on, one more time. Hold on. Simpson's lawyer says that the second guy, Af- Alfred Beardsley, the other robbery victim who died years later, they said him and OJ made it right. <laughs> I guess if they have this memorabilia, they're probably fans of his. Maybe, and now they're friends. <laughs> so the parole board oh. grants it. I mean, they they worked hard, they did it, and he's released. Um, did Nicole's kids talk to him? Did like his and Nicole's kids talk to him? Did they say any statements? Do you know? So I'm not sure. It doesn't say. Uh, he says, like, oh, I, I missed my children. I missed their birthdays and stuff. I know that Justin and Sydney, I know that OJ stays in Las Vegas, Nevada. Justin and Sydney, from last thing I read, like 2008, 2019, they were in Florida. 
So mm-hmm. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I do know that, you know, um, apparently the Browns, they had the kids. So. Yeah. But I, I wonder, like, you know, I, I, I know for sure that if anybody's on his side, it's his children with Marguerite. Yeah. His older kids. Yeah. I wonder if his younger kids think he did it. I think they have a, a myriad of thoughts probably. Uh-huh. Dang. So um, he's released from Lovelock Correctional Institute in Nevada, um, October 1st. Um, they even, the Department of Corrections even shows like releases a video of him walking out. I said, what the fuck is going on with y'all? Now, uh, since being released, OJ resides in Las Vegas, like I said, and hasn't really been in much trouble. He kicked up some dust uh, in 2017 in November, like getting kicked out of the hotel because he was drunk and breaking glasses, but nothing stemmed from that. He just was escorted out and that was fine. Besides that, like we talked about in the beginning of the episode, he's just living his life being on social media. In 2002, no, 2022, OJ Simpson said he was joining Twitter and that Twitter was a platform that any and everybody can say whatever they want. And people have been saying things about me. And so now I finally get the chance to challenge some of that BS. And then even as recent as August, um, have you heard about that NFL player, Henry Ruggs? No, only one I know is Travis Kelsey. Uh, that's a that's another story. <laughs> I can't stand you, Swifty. <laughs> Unfortunately, in I think in the summer, I don't know how because I things happen and people don't get arrested for months and months later, and it throws me off on the timeline. But um, Henry Ruggs, the NFL player, was drunk driving and driving very, very fast and ended up killing a woman and her dog. Oh. And um, basically, uh, he, he, he has a plea deal. And Simpson was slamming uh, the plea deal. He basically was comparing his sent prison sentence to Henry's. And basically, this is what he says. He says... You're driving a car at roughly 160 miles per hour on a public street and end up killing a girl and her dog and you get three to 10 years. You go to a hotel that you're invited to to retrieve your own personal stolen property, property I now now have because it was ruled to be mine by the state of California, and you get nine to 33 years. Same courthouse, same city, same state. I don't know. Somehow just doesn't add up to me. I'm just saying. I I get I get where he's coming from there, but like you said, the whole we couldn't get him back for the killing. Yeah. Also, it's it's a decent message, wrong messenger. Yeah. Like, I, I don't okay, need to hear that. Out. I don't need to hear that from the juice. <laughs> but yeah. Let's contain that juice for a little bit. Yeah. So um if you want to go to 2023, he's in a gated community in Las Vegas. He has an NFL pension that apparently pays him $10,000 a month. And he also has a pension from the Screen Actors Guild of $1,700 a month. And so, yeah, he's living life, dodging a judgment, and he's free. 
And he's verified on Twitter now. I remember when Elon took over, you know, he wasn't verified before they wouldn't verify him. Well, of course, Elon's going to verify yeah. OJ. He's on his Mount Rushmore of his favorite people. But yeah, that's all. I got a lot more quotes and a lot more stories. And I wrote out the account of how every both of these two big events happened, both the murder of Nicole and Ron as well as the robbery of Las Vegas in greater detail. But that'll probably be something I do, maybe like a, like you said, like a bonus episode. Do you think he did it? Absolutely, we, yes, positive. Okay. <laughs> we no never really said. <laughs> no doubt like, in my mind. Yeah, we kind of went into this just like that being the consensus, but it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Never really fully said. Allegedly, <laughs> allegedly, I know what I think. No, yeah, we were both. No alleged here. Because <laughs> that, oh, it's, it's, it's just, to me, especially when, when how graphic and violent the crime is, as well as nothing was taken or stolen, there is no other person that would have a motive to do this. Yeah, that's why when people say the son and like what would be his reasoning. But again, I haven't looked into it. Yeah. So. You know, out of everything he does it seems like he always does it with someone the robbery or not robbery the car chase and even his little stuff when he was a teenager he was in the gang you said mm-hmm. and it has to be with a lesser i don't want to say a lesser man but a less uh like aggressive yeah because i was watching the video as well as reading the account of the Las Vegas robbery. And these men are spineless. Talking about, yeah, OJ wanted me to go up to this hotel room and I knew it was going to be something, especially when he asked if I had heat. But I just went up there and did what I was... Bro, you mean you went up there to commit a, a, a felony? For I no mean, if reason? he's treating them like security, I could see that. Like, No, but the, here's the thing also I forgot to mention is that OJ... He was told about these two guys having his memorabilia, and then he created a ruse to confront them. When the two guys who were uh, who had the memorabilia, they thought they were meeting a buyer, and then here comes oh. the, these other guys, and then OJ pops up like, "Hey, actually, it's me." So I it was- they were like happy at first. <laughs> <laughs> like you know your favorite celebrity walks in and they're like oh my god they mentioned that they were talking for a second and then all of a sudden oj's face just changed and he starts he starts going off so maybe they were happy for a, a quick second until they realized oh no this ain't gonna have you right. seen that clip i don't even remember it, where oj like is hiding behind a door like he has a knife or something for a news reporter don't... <laughs> he just like, like hey to the world like problem what is your actual problem, sir? <laughs> like, just I could see him being like the goofy version that he puts th- on, and then like it just changes. Like, so I could one hundred percent believe what the robbers or sellers or whatever you want to call them are saying. You said you could see him do what and do what? I could see like you know him being there and just talking to them cheerfully. Oh, and then, and then it just changes. Yeah. Yeah, it, I could not believe he set that woman up and then hit her with the Michael Myers. I or I hit her with the OJ low key. See if if your ex-wife and mother of your children was murdered, mm-hmm. would you be going around joking that way if you did not do it? Exactly. I cannot see myself being so heartless or cavalier about that. Exactly. I I hate this story though, just because. 
you know, I, I knew how it was going to end, but mm-hmm. every time, you know, she left him or called the police, I'm like, oh, she's going to get away. Yeah, you just hope because there were times and there were instances and she was close. But it's like when you have an ex like that, unfortunately, it's kind of unavoidable. And it's horrible that he's walking free, making money, doing, living his life. Mm-hmm. He'll be dead soon. Yeah, but he lived a long life. I know, right? Well, this is where we end this part and move on to more positive uh, feelings where we talk about a piece of media that we like to uplift or um, something of that nature. I'm sorry, all synonyms are leaving me. What do we do with the media? (laughs) Uh, Media we want to recommend. Recommend. Explore. Yes. Discuss. Shit on. All of the above. Thank you. Okay. So last time we said we were going to watch the Matt Rife special. Did you watch it? Oh, shit. I didn't. <laughs> I, I knew there was something I was supposed to be doing. <laughs> I didn't oh, even you. you. didn't even. Jose, we've talked this whole week. You didn't even like, remind me. Uh-huh. I, every time I touch you, I'm like, ha-ha, you're not watching it. <laughs> but <laughs> to be fair, I tried to watch it twice. And it you is, through it? I, I couldn't. I rewinded it because, like, my mind would just wander. I even, like, put my phone in my pocket so I could pay attention. And I just was, like, literally looking at the ceiling and be like, Did you at least thinking. make it to the controversial, one of the controversial jokes? It starts controversial. That's how oh. he starts it. He okay. says, the, I just said in the waters. And I got to say, the most offensive thing I found about the special was he was not funny. Mm, I heard long- that. Yeah, a lot of the jokes seem old, and I saw him describe it himself as jokes you've heard, but with his twist on it, which I, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, if we heard it before, like. That sounds like laziness and excuses yeah. at the top. And I think most people, I assume women that are feeling like he changed up, I don't know if I agree with that. His TikToks, which I also enjoyed, is okay. just like proud work. And this is the first time a majority of people are seeing his stand-up. And it's just, he's not funny. Like, I don't know if, like, people really knew what his comedy was. So maybe that's why he's losing a bunch of fans. I do find it interesting, though, that, like, his first podcast after this whole scandal was on fucking Jordan Peterson. And Jordan Peterson is the fucking scum of the earth. I mean, he's making choices. The way he, he did his jokes, the way he chose to respond... Yeah, he said, like, you know, this one was more for the the boys, the guys, or whatever. And it's like, I don't know why Matt Reif has to say he's, like, pretty every five seconds and people don't take him serious. So maybe he needs that validation from men more, you know, like the Joe Rogan circles and all that. Yeah, women liked him and pe- and women thought he was attractive, but he wants to be known as a funny person. So when you start men specifically, oh, sorry. He wants, yes, he wants to be funny, a funny person to men. So he knows the formula to, to get, especially incel men to find them funny. You start laying in on all the bad offensive jokes of women. But to be fair, this is me generalizing because I don't care. (laughs) Yeah, it was, I mean, his comedy was so stupid. I remember one joke was about crystals, like, you know, crystal girls mm-hmm. about the zodiac and again it's like jokes we've heard a million times yeah, like those are recycled women who love zodiac and like how they're crazy and whatever um 
a joke that was weird to me is like he was like oh i hate young people it's like bro you're 28 like you're young too like i don't know it, it just it seemed like very stupid like you know yeah. everyone wants to shit on kids but it wasn't even funny to me i i don't think i laughed once honestly no. which it was i felt disappointed because i did like matt rife's tiktoks i did my him on wild and now and now that you mention it all his stand-up videos I've seen are his crowd work, and he does good crowd work. I yeah, he does excellent crowd work. That's where he shines, honestly. But maybe it's just, you know, I don't know, a big special got to him. I don't know. Yeah. So. I can't say because, like I said, I didn't watch it. So <laughs> my criticism means nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I didn't really find it offensive. It's not me to find offensive, I guess, though. So I'm not, like, excusing mm. him either. Did you see the TikTok of the the plastic surgery doctor? Ah, see, that's this whole thing. Like the special made me like not interested in him, but how he's been acting about it. Of the plastic surgeon didn't even name him and said he's, when you made a perfect jawline and then your client gets canceled or something along those lines. Yeah, like says it's illegal to talk about someone's health medical things, and then yeah. he even fucking like lie about it he even went on instagram and commented the same thing oh my god not twice that's even yeah longer. it's like because i to be fair honestly now that somebody alerted me to it i'm like oh of course i see it but before i just i just thought he just grew into his face or what i like i said i wasn't a matt right person i just knew him but i didn't even think about him until he exposed himself I said, oh, that's embarrassing. I don't care either which way if he had, you know, a little work done or not. Yeah. Uh, he looked okay he, beforehand. He was maybe going to grow into his little face. It's it's just, I don't know. Just the whole thing has left a bad taste in my mouth of how he's handling it. I, com- I guess comedians are sensitive, though. Most of them are. They're sensitive about their shit. Uh-huh. And then the whole going on... You know, I know there's people out there that don't believe everything we believe or I believe. And, you know, not not everyone has to have the same beliefs as me. They should. (laughs) And I don't hold that against most people. But Jordan Peterson is a fucking disgusting human being. And if you want to associate with him, like, you're a disgusting human being, too. Mm -hmm. Like, especially what all that shit he was talking about, Elliot Page. Like, get the fuck out of here, Jordan Peterson. And that's not even the worst of it. Like, he's just horrible. He's disgusting. Oh, yeah. I knew we hated him for a reason. It was when you brought that up, I had to remember. Ugh. Yeah, I... He, he just... just uh, he's so fucking stupid. Should I read Trisha's media now? Or do you want to do yours? Do, do Trisha's and then I'll do mine. I want to hear what she said. Okay, hers is short. She says, Good day, Savior. Sorry, host. I just wanted to write my media, the song I'll Make a Man Out of You by Donny Osmond from the movie Mulan. I think this is the best Disney song ever. I love the nostalgic feeling it gives me and it has been on my playlist lately. That's all. Love you. Bye. Um, I know that song. I like the song, but I'm not a huge Mulan person. I think I didn't like it when I was younger. Like It wasn't one of my movies. So I think it's like the train has gone for me. What do you mean you're not a Mulan fan? It's oh, just not one of mine. I don't even like refl- I don't even like reflections, but I'll be singing it every time. And then I'll make a man out of you. And then the story, Fa Mulan, she saves her family. She saves China. 
Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I cannot believe you don't like Milan. It's like, it's not even like, I don't even know what to say. You don't like Milan? I don't dislike it. Eddie I don't know her. <laughs> the Grey Stone Dragon? <laughs> oh my God. I didn't know that was such a hot take. Uh, a girl worth fighting. And then they get to the saddest scene in life. <laughs> oh my gosh. I can't believe you. It's not my favorite Disney movie. So that's why I'm not crazy about. I'm not I'm not really lighting you up, but I am disappointed. Do you like Tarzan? It's not one of mine. Okay, good. We're good on that one then. <laughs> like I, I love the idea of Tarzan. I like the soundtrack, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Trisha, I mean, we see each other. We know what's going on. I don't know what's up with Jose. He don't get to join us on this ride, I guess. But thank you for writing in, Trisha. <laughs> Always appreciate it. <sighs> Make a, I'll make a man out of you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, perfect zinger. Uh, I guess I'll go. So everybody's talking about their Spotify rap, and I stopped messing with Spotify two years ago. It's Apple Music, so. You know why you stopped messing with Spotify? What was the reason? You know? Because I was like, oh, let's make a blend. I We never listen to the same music anymore. We made that blend, and then I'm like, oh, yours is not updated. You're like, yeah, I left Spotify. Jose tried to make our friendship stronger. And Katrina's like, yeah, you I'll leave. You don't even do that a lot. So I should have jumped on it. But then maybe I was tired of you never putting our friendship first. And I said, you know what? <laughs> F this Spotify. But that uh, is funny. I really did leave right after the blend. Right after we made the blend. You're like, I'm out. <laughs> and, and what messed me up was I was going to... Sh- I was still trying to listen to Spotify on my Apple TV, but one day it just it signed me out. And I said, nope, I'm not doing that. Forget password no more. <laughs> you ain't never going to lock me out again. <laughs> you told them. Yes, I was done. But maybe one day, because I want to get my raps like everybody else. But I, what should I do? Should I do? I'll do both my, my albums and my list because there are some controversial things in here on accident. Like, I didn't even know. I do gotta say, I see some people complain about Spotify raps, like, who cares? And shame on you. I think it's one of my favorite days of the year when my Spotify rap comes out. And I love hearing other people's at work. I ask them, let me see a Spotify rap. Yeah, it's just like a way to, it's like another way to just share music and just interact with your friends and family. It's not like a bad thing to want to I don't know, share your music and your taste as well as like see what your year was like based off who you were listening to. Especially if you like ask someone, what kind of music do you listen to? They always say, oh, I listen to everything or I don't know, just different things. Like, you know, you never get an answer. So this is like a perfect time to. Oh, yeah, perfectly. Yeah. So um, who was I saying? My top artist. From number five to one. Five. Embarrassing, I tell you, bro. Do you remember that one guy who was like number five? Yeah. <laughs> I, every time I do a count that, I always have to hear his voice in my head. Number four, Burger King foot lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> so five to one, I got Drake. Oh, 
You, you've always been inconsistent. Tell me one thing, doing another. It be the old hits, though. I don't be listening to new Drake like that. Because, look, here's my next two. Stevie Wonder, Erica Badu. Oh. Then we go back into some controversy. <laughs> Kanye West. Oh, my God. I don't know how he got to. I Because the thing is, I actually really did stop listening to Kanye for a while. So how hard was I pounding his music before? <laughs> <laughs> and then number one shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. It's Beyonce. Good for you. This is the first time Beyonce has not been on mine. That's crazy. Did she didn't make the top five? No. That's crazy. I know. And then I think all the songs are songs I've already talked about. Uh, Sea and Ghost, Big Baby Gucci, Paint and Picture, Superstar Pride, No Love, J.K. Mack, Sailor Moon by Leia is my favorite song of all time now. I can't help it. I've never even watched Sailor Moon, but I love that song so much. Is Paint and Pictures the murderer one? Yes. Okay. <laughs> That's, That's how I always remember it. That's crazy to say. That's what Trisha said to Loki. Um, and I can tell by Jesse Powell. Oh, that's also one of my favorite songs. That's your number one. That's my number one. And he died this year. RIP. I've never even heard it. I did when I tell you the only Jesse Powell song, I, the only Jesse Powell songs I knew was Bout It, Bout It, and You. And one day somebody played a song on the intro of a YouTube video. I Shazam that so quick, I didn't know what happened. <laughs> and it, it, it just became my favorite song. Um, And because I love myself, I'm not going to tell you my top albums. But yeah, that's my... That's no, my you gotta say it. It's so embarrassing. Spotify didn't give us top albums, so I can't say mine, but <laughs> say yours. Okay, first of all, I will say these first two are a fluke. I'm going to say my albums, but I'm going to tell you why the first two don't count. But I'm going to go five to one. Honestly, none of these. The only ones that should count is three or four. Uh, okay. <laughs> so the my fifth top album is The Pink Tape by Lil Uzi Vert. Oh, okay. Four is Clear 2, Soft Life by Summer Walker. Oh, okay. Three is Scarlet by Doja Cat. Oh. Go <laughs> oh, back and listen to that Doja Cat episode. You're like, I'm not listening to that album. I don't care about Doja. <laughs> I don't I don't look for Doja like that. Jose. And you, she's your number three fucking album. Jose, stop. <laughs> Jose. I don't you know, all those comments that Doja said about you, on she it. was right. <laughs> First of all, I said she was right talking about her fans. I am not a fan. I don't care if I'm on the top five. <laughs> You're a fan. You're a kitten. Meow, meow. <laughs> don't you ever. I'm a cow. Moo. <laughs> Look at you referencing all her lyrics. Oh, uh, I do love uh, Bitch, I'm a Cow. That's that's forever. But to be fair, I've been playing the fuck out of Paint the Town Red. I can't help that. <laughs> uh, but number two is where I... I lost all hope. It's the love album by Diddy. And then number one. I'm speechless. Like I can't even. And then number one is Utopia by Travis Scott. But let me tell you why this whole list is a fluke. I'm going to tell you why. Right. Try to justify it. (laughs) I work at a job. Where 
you can play your music, but also if you're playing your music at the wrong time, you cannot skip, flip, get out of it. So that's why I stick to my playlist. But what happened is when each of these albums came out, I wanted to give them a chance, except for the Summer Walker one. I've been listening to like two songs off there religiously that I like a lot. So that's why she made it up there. But the other four ones, I was just, oh, and Scarlet, of course, like I said. But the other uh, three ones, I was just like trying to hear what the album sounded like. They shouldn't have been counting them listens. <laughs> there they should be a button where like i'm just you know <laughs> this is a first date it doesn't count exactly and so because i'm sitting here doing my job and it's on repeat now it's my number five and three and two and one so yes <laughs> if you truly want to know my music taste just listen to my top songs and artists <laughs> not <laughs> Not them albums, because that one that was crazy. When I pulled that up, I said, Oh, this is embarrassing. Listen to Drake. Like Listen to even Tommy. my last five other albums don't even make up for it. But yeah, it was embarrassing. That's all for me. I love that. So I guess I'll say mine too. Um my number five song was Now That We Don't Talk. And there's just about not talking after a relationship and wondering about them and what they tell their friends and are they happy? Yeah. And you're kind of happy, like you don't have to pretend to like the things they like and just try to move on. Number four, Cardigan. Most people see this as a love song, but it's not really in my opinion. It's about someone picking and choosing when they want you. They can make you feel like their favorite Cardigan, but they will also leave you under their bed when they're when you're not used to them. And when it's over, they linger with you and you know they'll come back, but I don't know. It doesn't seem like a love song to me. My Tears Ricochet is about not being able to leave with grace. Number two, Hoax is about wanting someone and letting them in. And they know how the others hurt you, but they still chose to hurt you. And, you know, the hoax is their love. But number one is All Too Well, 10-minute version, which is just about remembering tiny things in a relationship. You know, remember all too well. Damn, I don't know, not none. They're they're all Taylor. I know, but I don't know, not none of these. I, I guess they're sadder songs. I mean, not now that we don't talk, it's like more upbeat. Are any of these radio cuts? Uh, uh, I think Cardigan was. Uh. Now that we don't talk just came out in nineteen eighty nine, Taylor's version of Slip on this truck. So I was oh. surprised that one was on there. Oh. And then my top five um what's it artist are rocio i forget how you say her last name she's a spanish singer number four the chicks formerly the dipsy chicks number three dion warwick number two alanis morissette and number one taylor swift your dion warwick threw me off i said <laughs> you've been listening to the sample sample lady <laughs> i think because the theme song from Valley of the Dolls that played on Nurse Jackie. So okay. I like to listen to that. I'm like, you're good, Jackie. You're good. And then anyone who had a heart, I love that song because it's like, it's so fucking simple. If you had a heart, you would love me. Like, it's so simple. You so, so funny because when I learned that Luther Vandross sampled so many of Dion Warwick's songs, I was like, damn, I might have liked that from Dion, but I'm used to Luther singing it. 
Uh, so I listened to If Anybody Had a Heart by Luther Vandross. I do Dion and I do Dusty Springfield. Oh, she did that? Uh-huh. Or I, I, I don't mind a little Dusty Springfield. And Rosier Dutar, Dutar, I forget how you say it. Um, her song is kind of, she has a song, it's in Spanish, but it's pretty much called like The Cat Under the Rain. And it's just about, <laughs> I'm going to love you and call out to you like, you know, a cat in the rain. Yeah. <laughs> like it's so pathetic, but I love that song. But that's mine. Of course, Taylor is number one. I was not surprised by that. I was surprised on what songs made it to the top five. Were they not your top songs? I just, I go with different moods with Taylor. So I, I honestly did not know. Mm, uh, I was definitely fucking surprised about my albums. Not really my songs. Because those are all songs I've been like, like hitting repeat on. Yeah, I was kind of surprised with now that we don't talk being on there just because 1989 came out like a month ago. Yeah, I'm about to say, you, how'd you run up the numbers that fast? You must have really liked that one. It's such a short song, and I don't fucking talk to anyone anymore, so it's not. <laughs> it's it's just a vibe. Mm-mm-mm. Like, it leaves you wanting more. I have to listen to it because everybody, when that song came out, everybody was talking about that bitch. Mm, yeah, but that is our Spotify. Were you surprised Assad wasn't on yours? Um, no, because all the new songs that I like recently got back into, I haven't been listening to a very long time. So I was, I thought maybe for a quick second, I thought maybe Cobra was going to sneak in there, oh. but it was maybe just a little too late. It was on the off the off skirts. I was surprised. One song that I love is it's called Freefall. That's the title. It's called Freefall by Rainbow Kitten Surprise. And I was really surprised that was not on there because I listen to them a lot. Rainbow Kitty Surprise. Rainbow Kitten Surprise. Okay. If if you never listen to them, they are so good. Uh, I'm I might have to just with a name like that. I was going to go to a concert with some coworkers and then it got canceled. Oh. They rescheduled? I think they did by the know. <laughs> but then I was over it. Anything else you want to add to your medias? I don't think so. Well, this is a hefty bag. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening. Um, you can write in your medias at saveyourstory at gmail.com. You can write in your suggestions. Let us know. Did you think OJ did it? Is that even a question at this point? Is like that a question? What did you like that you heard? What did you not like the majority? <laughs> how, <laughs> how do you feel about the case all these years later? How do you feel about OJ being free? Yeah. Is there a, you know, is there a redemption arc for someone like that? I don't think so. Like a murderer? There are, I, cause murder is such a crazy word. It's not a crazy word, but it's like, it's, it's a harsh word. It's, it is what it is. I think there are redemption arcs for murderers, depending no. on the type of murder you have murdered. But that murder don't get no redemption. Oh, like like Gypsy Rose or something. Could be, yeah, yeah. Like some people kill people, and it's not on purpose. Sometimes things happen, and then sometimes people were plotting and killing. Uh, who knows? Yeah, and. 
Our Instagram is Savior Stories, spelled just like the podcast. And I think that's it. Let us know whatever you want. Write us. Talk to us. It's been wonderful. Bye. 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 Bye.